0: April 21st, 2020, and you are tuned into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. Uh, I'm doing a little experimentation on the show today. I'm doing my first interview, which I will talk about here shortly, um, but I have to do a couple of different things with my software. So if it sounds a little weird or there might be some weird video things, um, I will certainly work on those as we go forward. But uh, a new week means another round of World of Outlaws Invitational. Last night, it was the late models taking on the Williams Grove Speedway. Robin Kendall went quick time over the 47-car field. He was quickest by nearly two-tenths. Heats were won by Kendall, Logan CV, Michael. Hensley, Eric Riggins, and Trent Ivey. B-Mains were won by Chase Briscoe, Caden Cornell, and Dalton Polston. From the pole, Robbie Kendall led the first five laps. Trent Ivey ran him down from fifth and took the lead on lap six. He would lead until lap 12 when Corey Gordon took over. Gordon was rolling the bottom really well, um, and from there, he was never really challenged again for the lead. He took the $1,000 win over Eric Riggins, Logan Seavey, Tyler Clem, and Trent Ivey. Kyle Hardy was hard charger. He went 23rd to 8th. Uh, tonight, the World of Outlaws sprint cars take their turn at uh, Williams Grove on iRacing, you can watch that live on Dirt Vision at 7 p.m. Eastern as part of your Fast Pass. Also, last night was round five for the iRacing World of Outlaws Sprint Car World Championship. Alex Bergeron entered the night as points leader over Kendall Tucker. The series took on the Limeland Motorsports Park. James Edens went quick time over last week's winner, Braden Eiler. The heats were frantic, really frantic, uh, you know, kind of thanks to the tight confines there at Limeland. But Edens won the first heat. Eiler won the second. And Joel Berkeley and Sean Timmerman won heats three and four. Cole Newhoff and grabbed his first transfer spot. Uh, he was in heat two. This, this was going to be his first uh, feature start of the season so good for him. Uh, The first B was won by Tyler Ducharme with Vinny Vinny Sansone transferring, and the second B was won by Dylan Semmelman with Lewis Hewitt, the other transfer. The track was reset before the feature. I know that's been kind of a topic of discussion uh, week to week. Uh, In the feature, it was all James Edens, though. He led all 35 laps en route to his second win of the season. He becomes the first driver with multiple wins on the year. David Heileman tried to make it a race down the stretch. He was actually catching Edens uh, with only a few laps to go, but there was a caution which kind of restacked everything, and then on the restart, Edens was able to hold him off. He was, uh, Heileman was under challenge from from Alex Bergeron there with the last couple of laps in that race, but. At the end, it was Edens winning over Bergeron, Heileman, Brayden Eiler, and Dylan Hauser. Heading back to Lernerville next week for the next round of the championship, Bergeron still leads the points by nine markers over James Edens. David Heileman is third, Brayden Eiler Eiler is fourth, and Kendall Tucker is fifth. You can catch week six next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on iRacing.com slash live. That is free to watch. Uh, So as I mentioned at the start, and and yesterday when I kind of talked about this, I'm gonna start mixing in a few different interviews. Uh, The first of those I'm gonna play today, when we kind of get back racing again, I would like us you know uh, I, I think we can all kind of you know take a look at things a little bit differently and and uh, you know maybe use this as an opportunity to uh, to appreciate things a little bit more um, I know I certainly will be doing that um, but I, I want to um, in in this conversation I like I think there's an opportunity to maybe learn some things and uh, I, I have certainly seen plenty of races in in my life um, and I know a lot of you have as well but I think uh, I, I think we can all um, you know maybe, watch a little better and, and understand a little better and things like that. So I, I talked to Blake Anderson. He's a, a good buddy of mine. He's the, you know, he's somebody who's seen thousands of races kind of over the course of his career. Um, you know, he's been an announcer for a lot of different places. He's currently the announcer for the All-Stars, but he's also been uh, an announcer for Knoxville and USAC. He's done a ton of pit reporting. He's got a really good, um, you know, kind of trained eye and and he shares a lot about kind of what he watches for when he races. Um, so just, you know, a little bit of information, if you, if you're a newer fan, you know, maybe this will kind of, uh, you know, give you a couple of tips on things you can watch out for. And then if you're an experienced fan, we talk about some stuff to uh, kind of keep an eye on there as well, but you can take a listen to right now, my conversation with Blake Anderson. Joining us on the phone, uh, Blake Anderson, voice of the Ollie's Bargain Outlet All-Star Circuit of Champions. Is that something where when people introduce you that you're like mad if they don't mention the sponsor name? Oh,
1: I wouldn't say mad. It's nice (laughs) when they say it, though. I mean, I guess, you know, you think, uh, I think you can attest to it, Justin. It's not easy to find sponsors this day and age and find companies willing to spend money. So I I think more so they deserve to have their their name said. I mean, they're spending a lot of money supporting our sport.
0: Yeah, I just I, I figured since you're kind of like half announcer, half marketing guy, maybe that would be something that would stick on your <laughs> <Yeah>. crawl. At <laughs> it,
1: it, it, it times it does. I guess it's probably one of those things more so depending on the mood you catch me in. I'm not in yeah. a bad mood very often though.
0: Uh, so when we kind of go back racing here, my, my kind of, uh, my thought with this conversation is I, is I want people to, you know, have like, let this be an opportunity to maybe educate themselves a little better, maybe be a better race fan on the other side of this. And, and somebody like you who has seen so many races over the course of their career, like, obviously you have a very educated eye. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, first of all, do you have any idea how many races you've seen in your life?
1: Oh man, thousands. I mean, I'll say, I know summer 2009 and summer 2010 when I was um, when I was in my first two years of college. My parents had moved, so I basically I lived at college during the summer and just announced racing and worked at our family Ford dealership. Uh, I was getting to I think I was over 120 races both those years. So I mean, it, it's it's got high, but I don't know. It's hard to put a number on that. I mean, we growing up, we usually hit 25 to to 40 races depending on the weather. My dad and I. Not a ton, though. Central Iowa was nice because we never really had to go more than an hour to see a race on three or four nights a week.
0: And so, and if people don't, you know, obviously, you know, right now people probably know you as the voice of the l Stars, but you've also been the voice of Knoxville. You've been, you know, you've done stuff for USAC, and then obviously, you know, the the pit reporting and things like that for Dirt on Dirt and Dirt Vision. Is there anything major that I'm leaving out there?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I I started my career at Boone Speedway on Saturday nights, which is where I grew up going to. Um, that's where I started announcing when i was 15 and that's a that's a big track back home it's the home out of imca super nationals which is one of the biggest races in the entire country for dirt track racing That gets 800 800 cars and that was kind of my uh that was my super bowl growing up i didn't miss the super nationals from 95 to 2012 my dad took me every year so that was always kind of my favorite race growing up and then i got to be a part of it for for four years on the broadcast side of things but uh, outside of that i mean since 2009 it's been that's when I got in at Knoxville, and I've pretty much been in, uh, engrossed in sprint cars, for lack of a better term, since then.
0: When, when you watch a race, depending on what division it is, do you do you change you know, maybe your mindset or your thought process depending on what the division is, whether it's sprint cars, light models, modifieds, or do you watch all races the same?
1: Oh, I think with sprint cars, you have to watch just a little bit differently just because of the fact that, that stuff happens so much quicker like with a late model or modified, you can kind of see a battle developing and you you don't really see a guy pass somebody and then check out to a straightaway within a lap or two where in a sprint car, you can, you miss one slide job and that could be, that could be your pass right there for the race where you have to watch with a little bit different mentality, but you can kind of watch the same. I try to keep a pretty broad scope when I'm announcing and really try to watch a lot of the racetrack. I mean, obviously you miss, we, you can't see it all, so you miss things, but, uh, I usually at least try to monitor where the leaders are regardless of what I'm talking about. If I'm talking about a battle for 10, I try to at least keep an eye on scoring on when the leader's passing the line so I can at least check in with that and see I'm not missing a battle up front.
0: And then I guess that's the other question. The other big question is, is how do you keep an eye on, say, the battle for the lead? And then, you know, maybe if it's a heat race or something like that, maybe a battle for the transfer. Like, can you really have like one eye on one and one eye on the other?
1: Uh, it depends on the track, honestly. Like, it, at uh, the big, big tracks, it's a little bit harder, especially if you're a little lower. Like, Knoxville, it's a little bit easier just because you're up there in the sky. You're kind of like in an eagle's nest up there because you're so removed from the racetrack. But if you're a little bit closer, it gets a little bit tougher. But uh, me as an announcer, honestly, like, if the leader is gone, I'd rather talk about the battle for third, fourth, or fifth of the transfer because I feel like that has a bigger bearing on the entire night. I mean, one spot can change the entire plan of the night for a team. So I think uh, timing and scoring is big on that because you can, you can look at it real quick and see, oh, shoot, the leader's up by one second. And if that, if that number starts to shrink, then I know, shoot, I need to start watching the guy in second right now if he's closing in on the leader. Or, man, I don't really need to worry about the leader until the white flag because he's gone.
0: And what do you do about like in a situation where maybe there's a crash or contact or something like that? Do you immediately kind of jump away from whatever you're focused on to what's happening over there?
1: Absolutely. I, mean, I usually try to. I think as I've announced more and really as, I've worked with our cameraman, Jeff Converse, sir. This is our sixth year together. I really try to lead him to where I'm talking, too. Like, give him indicators of what corner I'm in, mean, just in case he misses it. But, yeah, oh, if there's a crash or there's contact, I'm going to be going to that because I feel like that's kind of the story of the race at that point.
0: When you are, you know, say you're going to give some advice to a fan, maybe going for the first time to a dirt track, what, what would you say is something to key in on or, or you know, maybe a couple of things to pay attention to as, as they, you know, get into the stands and then start watching at night? I would, I mean, I, that's a tough one, I guess. I would try to...
1: To me, I try to sit by the start-finish line and get there early. The earlier, the better. Because most of the time, say it's earlier in the night, you're going to hear a guy like Johnny or myself kind of talk through the night of what's going to come up and and what's going to happen through the night. Because I guess the way I look at it is you have to treat every night like it's someone's first night at the races. Because odds are there's someone that hasn't been there very much. So whether it's a fan that's been to a 1,000 races, you kind of have to cater more to the fan that's never been there or been there once because – that's the fan you're trying to keep and you're trying to grow them into being that fan that's been there a thousand times. But the earlier the night you can get there, the better, just because you've got a better chance of really understanding what's going to happen through the evening.
0: And then say, you know, if you're, if you're talking to a fan that's going to a race for the first time and, you know, maybe they don't know the drivers, is there like a, you know, maybe some sort of idea or strategy for like who they should kind of lock into onto watch? I mean, is it just leaders and things like that until you kind of figure out who people are?
1: Yeah, I would say that because I mean, you can kind of figure out who's going to be good. I don't know. For me, I like to do a little bit of homework, I guess. Watch some highlights and kind of figure out, and that's how kind of figure out who's going to be who's going to be good. But a lot of people don't do that, so I feel like as a fan, your first initial reaction of going to a racetrack is going to be to watch the leaders because you don't really know any better, I guess.
0: And then when you, you know, have you been in a situation where maybe you showed up somewhere to announce and you, and you didn't know the drivers, or maybe you didn't know some of the drivers? Is that, you know, is that something where you, you can do that on the fly or do you always try to have some level of information before you go in?
1: I would, it's been a while since I've had to do that, Justin, but, uh, I mean, more recently, not really just because it's kind of more, I'm more routinized now. I know what's coming, but I'll say back when, uh, when I was in college there, 2000, summer 2009 and 10, when I was really literally announcing anything I could get my hands on, whether it was a modified race on a, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it didn't matter, modified sprint cars, I would announce it because I just wanted to be at the racetrack and wanted to grow. There were a couple nights where it was like, okay, yeah, I got there, and I didn't know a ton about the drivers in the field because at that point it, was, it wasn't as easy to find information. Information wasn't as readily accessible back then it was accessible but just we're lucky now that it's so accessible through social media and there's so many different channels you can go down i mean back then not a lot of guys had driver websites either so but uh really the last five years it hasn't been i will say really the last time i kind of went into an event where i could think of where i was overwhelmed before i got there would have been uh um, dirt car national 2014 i think was my first one when World Racing Group brought me down to announce the Modifieds, and that was back when they were getting, like, 90 Modifieds. It was, Mm -hmm. whoa, I know 15 of these guys, maybe at most, (laughs) and I grew up in Modified Racing, so that was a little overwhelming. But it's a challenge to embrace.
0: Yeah. And I, I, kind of something maybe for more advanced people, like, you know, the, as you're watching, obviously, you know, you've got notes and things like that in front of you, but the the race itself is going to give you quite a bit of information. And, and I'm, I'm curious how you watch for like guys kind of changing lanes and, you know, how the racetrack is changing. And then, you know, certain things, you know, like for with sprint cars, for example, like if got, if somebody's got their, you know, their wing moved around or, or you know, if there's any visual cues, how do you kind of spot that stuff uh, from from where you're sitting?
1: I'll say, I mean, to, to say for lane changing, I guess since that was your first one, I usually try to watch the cars in second, third, fourth because those are I feel like those are going to be guys. A lot of the times, they're going to be hunting around the racetrack to try to find something where the leader's not going to be as prone to moving around the racetrack because they they're obviously leading. So what they're doing is working. But the guy in second, third, fourth, some of those times they're not going to want to sit there and ride around in second. They're going to be hunting around the racetrack, moving a wing back. I think I see that more in Ohio and I'm more. I'm more, I think, adjusted to looking for that. We're not so I didn't see it a whole ton. And you're a little bit so far removed. And I'm maybe not the best at indicating a wing being back because I don't really, I guess, it's not something I look for a ton. So I don't mention it a whole ton, just occasionally. But think- really the lines, I mean, you can watch through the, the middle, middle of the front part of the field to see you guys moving around.
0: Is that something, too, like, you know, for example, like with the midgets where they've got, you know, the knobs where they can adjust shocks? Like, is that something you can see, you know, from up there if, you know, if maybe somebody's rolling around under caution, you know, spinning those around?
1: Eh, no, not real. I guess for me, I've never looked for it. I guess I just assume the guys, that, if you, pretty much everyone but the leader is going to be adjusting shocks because in USAC you can do that. They've got... Uh, They've got the adjustments in the car where we don't have that wing sprint cars. We just have to move the wing around, and you've got what you've got. But USAC has that option where it kind of puts it in the driver's seat, and I think that benefits the smart drivers because they know how to tune their car to get their shocks where they need to be, but I don't think it's something I guess I've ever really looked for. And part of that is, um, you know, we're on the outside, so you can't really see their hands the best because you have the right side of the car protecting their hands, where if you're on the infield, say you're a photographer, you can maybe see that a little bit better because you've got a better view into the cockpit and can see what they're doing with their hands.
0: Yeah. Um, Just last question, you know, if if somebody's sitting in the stands, what do you think are the must-haves? Like, is timing and scoring a must-have? Is, you know, the night's program a must-have? Like, what's something you think would would benefit somebody sitting in the stands to to really kind of help keep up with the action through the night? Must-haves, first-time fan, I would say... Not, and not, day, not even first-time fan. Maybe, I mean, any fan, really.
1: Just someone new. Okay, so I would say before 10 years ago, I would say the program would have been a must-have. I mean, that's how you're going to learn who's in the field. But now, as you mentioned, we've got live timing and scoring. I would say that's your must-have just because 99.9% of the time on live timing and scoring, you can have the car number and the name right there so you can see it readily accessible where a lot of the times the programs don't have the entry list, or maybe they have an expected entry list per se, but it's not going to have all the cars in there. So it's going to have some, some riffraff in there you don't need. But with live timing and scoring, it's going to tell you who's on the racetrack, where they're running right away. So you can look, you can pair numbers with names and schemes right now. Bang, bang, bang. You can say, oh shoot, Donnie Shots is in third right now. What's the third car on the racetrack? Oh, there he is. That's what his car looks like. So, I feel like live timing and scoring is pretty important. If you're a, if you're a fan in the, in the grandstands and you don't maybe know the drivers the best. Cool. And that's one thing I think I've adjusted to myself. I, I watch live timing a little bit more when I'm at the racetrack, especially if it's a track, uh, if it's a place where I'm new to per se, and I know I'm going to need some of those drivers. Live timing scoring nice because I can immediately pair up who's who right away rather than having to ask.
0: Is that something, too, where you're maybe keeping an eye to see, like, if somebody's moving up or, you know, if if maybe it's a battle, like, further back that you're not paying attention to, but you see somebody maybe make a pass or two? Is that something that timing and scoring can kind of key you into?
1: Absolutely. And and really, uh, when we go to yellow there, I kind of have a process of how I go through things. I usually fire off our tweet of what happened. I'll go through the rundown and then immediately I'll pull out my lineup and kind of Cross-re- cross-reference it through the field to see like if I've got 30 seconds can I find somebody that's maybe moved up a couple of spots or more than a couple of spots that I can mention to the fans like hey Jack Hoddenfield passed nine cars in the first four laps you're, even though he's in 11th right now you're going to want to keep an eye on him because obviously he's got something he found out there
0: Thanks to Blake for joining us. I certainly appreciate him taking the time out of his day to uh, to talk to us. I um I think there's a lot of good information in there. Definitely some things I learned as well, Um, you know, kind of from a guy with a really trained eye and and really knows how to watch a race, Um, you know, with him needing to to be able to tell fans and and convey to fans, you know, what's going on and where to watch on the racetrack. Um, I think there's some good information in there. So definitely appreciate Blake's time. Hopefully you got a little something out of that. Uh, Maybe make you a little bit better race fan and, and, uh, you know, have a little more fun and and understand things a little bit more the next time you go to the racetrack. Uh, Thanks everybody for tuning in today. You can find Dirt Trucker Daily on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts, please subscribe, leave me a review, tell your friends. You can also watch the show daily on YouTube and Facebook. You can email me uh, at info at dirttracker.com. You can also follow along at facebook.com slash twitter.com slash dirttracker and the website itself, dirttracker.com. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Justin underscore Fiedler. um, And you can sign up for the Dirt Tracker weekly newsletter on the site. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow on Dirt Tracker Daily.